Yes! It's Tuesday night, and that means crime fighting with Batman. Now, where did I put that trident? Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah. I'm your host, David Luzader, and with me, usually, I would say at least most of the time, is... Nick Sharamooksness. Yep. Can't get rid of him, folks. I've been trying. Funny, Funny story about me saying my last name, which I say every day. You have another one? Apparently. Okay. So at so at work. Yep. Uh, well, not like I mean, jet my job, but because I've been working at different stores, uh, there was this one kid uh, who I've had to work with for a little while, and I'm not particularly fond of him. Um, but it, somehow we ended up on the subject of like a heritage, and it turned out we were both Lithuanian. Mm-hmm. And um, he was like, "Oh, what's your last name?" And I I said it, and he's like, "Oh, how do you spell that?" And like I showed him my ID. And then he was just like, oh, you're saying it wrong. What? And I'm like, uh, what? And he's just like, he's just like, it's pronounced Shermukinis or something like that. And I'm like, um, okay. He's like, I mean, do, do you know a lot about Lithuania? I'm like, well, not a lot, but I mean, I, I, I did sort of grow up around like my dad and, you know, and his relatives, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's how they always pronounce the name to me. And that, you know, coming heaven that they came from Lithuania, I'm gonna give them credit, right? Um, and he was just like, Oh, well, you know, you're not, you're not saying it right. And then he even has the audacity to like call his mom, who I guess is the Lithuanian one. And I'm standing right there, and he's just like, Um, he's just like, Oh, yeah, I have this co worker, he's Lith too, um, but he doesn't know anything. And what? I'm like, I'm who like, is I'm looking, this asshole? I'm like, I'm like looking at, I'm like. Dude, like, I'm literally about to, like, punch you in the face. Like, I'm right here, man. Like, I mean, I, I, I was just, like, I was completely taken back. I was like, you're kind of being a jerk. I was being, like, like who cares? I, you know, I kind of waved it off after that, and I was just like, all right, you know, I don't really care how my last name is pronounced. It's my last name. But I, I was just like, oh, like, what the heck? What a doucher. Yeah. But that's that's my last name, folks. Cher Mooksness. But yeah, so you claim apparently it's not Shamu Kennis if you're nasty, uh, right? Which or not nasty. I, no, anyway, or not, you know right. I've actually isn't that, what, isn't that what cool kids say? They're like, if you're nasty, like you're not actually nasty, but it's like nasty is a new way of saying cool. Just like when stop. you say something please, sick, please, please stop. Like, you're like that's sick, but it's not actually. No, just it's not actually. No, stop under the weather, it's why like, are you still like going? Cool. <laughs> why must anyway. you torture me this way? <laughs> Comic uh, books. Well, actually, you know I've made a fatal mistake this week. Which was letting me back on the show? Yeah, apparently. No, I actually brought a box of Nilla wafers into the room with me to record. Oh, God. I need, oh, God. I need to like chuck it across. I, just one I, more. Just one like more. <laughs> this is fully work here. I I can't mm. I can't be angry with you only because before I got on the show, despite having gone to the gym and done a pretty good exercise, and then eating a, what I thought thought to be a fairly healthy dinner, I then ruined it all by eating about ten pounds of candy. I bet everybody's loving that I'm just like going to town on Noah Wafer you know in their what? ear holes. We're, I'd like to think that when people listen to our show, they imagine the two of us sitting on a couch, just kind of 
chit-chatting back and forth, just two dudes who just, you know, like, this is just what dudes do. They just hang out on a couch and they talk about comic books and they eat vanilla wafers. Like, Well, by that logic, we should be stuffing our gullets with a bunch of Doritos and washing it all down with Mountain Dew. Oh, God, I don't, you, I don't you, really You can pick whichever that. color of Mountain Dew you want in that um, scenario. The, the less ir- irradiated one? Uh, sorry, that's not an option. <laughs> you get anyway. either irradiated or very irradiated. <laughs> it's the only choice. <laughs> uh, um, so we're we're coming into you pointed out a fifth week show here, which fifth weeks are typically pretty light for comics, and that was definitely true for me today. Apparently, it was for you as well. From what yeah, I, you know. yeah, you know, it, it's it's a fifth week thing. Certainly, there were some quality books that came out today, whether or not we've actually read them yet. Um, but I mean, it's not, it's not a week where, you know, various publishers are all trying to get like, I wouldn't necessarily say the best of the best, but what they deem to be the most popular or the most important mm-hmm. out on the shelves with yeah. the exception of like, I know saga is really important. Saga that came out did today, come but, out. but you know, that that's probably as far as popularity goes, that one probably led the pack for today. Well, let's for... talk. I, I know you haven't read saga. Uh, so I won't spoil anything for you. But let's talk a little bit about that because you pointed out something interesting to me earlier this week. I did. I caught up to the previous issue about a day ago mm-hmm. and then found out that the next issue is coming out today, which is great when you forget to actually catch up on something and right. you catch up right before the next issue. But then, you, but have then to wait. you read it and then you're like, oh, no, I actually have to wait 30 days. Yeah, that, that part does in fact suck. Yeah. Uh, but However, so... Uh, I think I think we're in the realm as, of being clear as far as you know what we can spoil, especially with the whole thing where uh, Hazel said that her parents were going to split. Yeah, that that's a few months removed at this point. Yeah, so at the beginning of this current arc, or maybe even the arc that just finished, I'm not sure how many issues came out. Uh, you know, like the whole thing kind of there, there's this earlier in the story, Hazel's remembering and she's talking about. This is the story of how my parents got together, and then the way that this last arc started was this is the this is the story of how my parents split up, and my initial reaction and I, everybody's initial reaction was oh man they're going to get divorced, and that's really how Brian K Vaughn is laying it on, through, yep. throughout, uh, through everything that's going on. Yeah, you and, got like Marcos on uh, you know potentially a blooming affair, you know the hints of one, and then you yeah, have on. With the drugs. With the drugs. But what it really comes down to is that they aren't getting divorced. They are actually physically getting split up uh, as part of the bigger story. They are now... uh, Alana is on the spaceship with her mother-in-law, Hazel. uh, And uh, Dengo? Dengo, the the robot janitor. Yeah, the robot janitor who's... Revolutionary. Yeah, who kidnapped the royal... Prince, robot prince. The, well, yes, but I mean he's still royal. Just, just keep talking, and it all makes sense. I know it's. I want to like explain everything, but we don't have the time for that. It's so anyway. this is one of those books where you you if you if you want to show just the sheer ridiculous capabilities of comic books, you want to be like saga is the way to go. Yeah. But if you don't want to look like a complete crazy person for trying to explain it to someone, it's really hard to recommend Saga. It really is. It's just kind of got to be a thing where you say, just go read it. Yeah. Where it's a, it's the first volume. It's a big space adventure. Um, it's literally anyway. as if like star Wars or star Trek or something. All of, all, all of sci-fi just got tripped out on LSD. 
That's a pretty that's a pretty fair comparison. So I gotta say on that. You you can put that on a quote, Brian Kavon. You got you and Fiona Staples, put that right on the back of volume four. Yeah. I, Brian Kavon is really a masterful storyteller, and I think using that trick, um, you know, with that is, is one example. But I was also thinking about that earlier today because this issue, which I know you haven't read, uh, follows some side characters who we haven't seen for a bit and kind of catches us up on what they've been up to. And it was just really, you know, it's a, it's a good issue. It's really well done. But he is so good. And I realize this now, thinking back to Why the Last Man, he's so good at weaving these characters, the major and the minor, in and out of the narrative very naturally. Mm-hmm. It never feels forced. It's never like, for some reason, you, you know, I'm never like, why were we just focusing on this guy for an entire issue or for even like a few pages? Like that just is so random and unnecessary. It's just every every little bit of like no no little bit of of the story is wasted it all yeah. is together in one big tapestry i i i hope hopefully i'm not being too bold but if i had to make a comparison i would say that that uh brian Kavon is kind of like the stephen king of comics hmm. he's a he's a you know he's um as far as like the the quote-unquote great literary minds of the universe are concerned like he's a you know a pop writer essentially you know um but he even though he doesn't necessarily dabble in horror he he he's similar to a lot of stephen king plots where i feel like stephen king takes like a certain fear or condition or something mm-hmm. and then expands some sort of ridiculous story around it something like carrie or or cujo or pet cemetery or something like that like pet but cemetery. but but there's something about you know I, I can't assume that I know that there are people that don't necessarily like Brain Cave on you know everyone has their yeah, their lovers and their people. haters. <laughs> hey, I'm not passing judgment here. Um, you know, and the same is true for for Stephen King. But they're both certainly I would put them in a, a master class of storytellers, even if they might be the first people to be like, whoa, whoa, I'm too insecure to have that title. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but there's a certain confidence in their their writing that that. I just, I just, there's definitely a comparison there that I'm feeling between them. Yeah. Um, now I have a confession here, real quick. I have never read anything by Stephen King. Despite, that's okay. despite the fact that the guy's written about 800 books. You know, I and I'm, you know, I, I, I have a friend who's read a lot of Stephen King, uh, certainly more than I probably ever will. And I even remember distinctly not <laughs> liking Stephen King when I was in like high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I came around and I'm still working through it. But I came around with the Dark Tower series, which, uh, which that's I just, which, th- yeah, that's that's on my short list of stuff to read. Which is you know, in a lot of ways, the Dark Tower, what I've read so far anyway, it it that same sort of sort of melting pot pot uh, melting pot sci fi fantasy kind of realm where mm-hmm. a lot of things you know, and, and the, the both universes kind of justify it for different reasons. Um, but it. That that's kind of where like they're, they're certainly very distinct stories, you know. But there's something about like that that, that kind of I'm reading Saga and I'm like, there's a, something Stephen Kingish about this. There's there's a way that he takes certain conventions and turns them on their head, mm-hmm. and he'll never get the the you know I, I don't think either I would necessarily get the the grand universe literary respect that they deserve, um, but it's something where like they just I just love that they're such confident storytellers that they know how to weave their tales they know how to pull it all back together and that's certainly what makes me keep coming back to Brian K. Vaughn month after month yeah ab- absolutely you know there's a lot to be said about the absurdity of Saga and you know for for it to even get a comic and but but it, it would not be 
could possibly be pulled off if it wasn't for somebody like Brian K. Vaughn, and specifically Brian K. Vaughn, because, you know, this is his world that he's been shaping for years and years, according to him. Yeah, which is crazy, because he said that he, like, he, he's been coming up with this world since he was, like, 10 years old. Now, he mm-hmm. probably wasn't necessarily it, thinking, right, it like, was, I'm going to have this first page be, like, right. a it, it wasn't It wasn't a sexually charged at the you time. You know, I mean, I, we can assume, I suppose. Probably when he hit 13 is when it all changed. <laughs> 13, that's when it all, that's when he, yeah, he hit his stride. Um, but it's literally, like, it's almost I'm almost jealous because like I can think of all the random ridiculous like stories that I came up with, you know, when I was ten, mm-hmm. that like you know would never ever pass muster. <laughs> but literally, it's like he took that thing that like we all wish that we could have had that ridiculous idea about the people with the wings and the horns and the robot TV head people and the walrus guy and the whatever, and then like mush it all together and say and, and then make money off of it. Yeah, it's so personal. Like it. it it really does take a level of courage. And I guess that's true for all sort of stories, but something like this that is just so personal to him. And I'm sure there was like excitement about it too, but also that fear of everyone's going to think that I'm completely insane (laughs) and that this is just garbage. Why are we wasting our time? But then to have people embrace it so much. And we didn't talk about this on the show, uh, but there was that big, uh, it was from what New York comic con. Or what was it? The mm-hmm. big Brian K. Vaughn like talk. The panel was from from New York Comic Con. Yeah. yeah, where someone asked him, "How long do you want, or, or do you think Saga is going to go on?" And his response was, "One issue longer than The Walking Dead." <laughs> Which, even if that were, if even if The Walking Dead were to end, you know, uh, to tomorrow, we would be getting like eight more years of Saga, which I'm all for. Uh, that, but that's just like very ambitious and I just love that idea where he has no end date in mind where this story is just going to be told like he said he knows the last panel on the last page but that could be I mean that could be Hazel finishing telling the story you know to her grandchild as she's an old lady or, exactly you know I, it, it, I think that might be the easiest panel to really kind of visualize what it's possibly going to be but I mean how do we get there what's going to happen in between then Exactly, and you're, and, you're, and you're saying Hazel to her grandchild. I mean, you're literally talking like it's almost like Star Wars, where like you have three distinct, at least you know, once the next trilogy comes out, mm-hmm. like three distinct periods of time. Yeah, you know, where it, like you're following this generation of the Skywalker family, and in this case, like you're following Marco, Marco and Alana's family, and like they could get to a point where it would it would suck to see sort of a main narrative that doesn't directly involve Marco and Alana. Mm-hmm. but that we could see, uh, actually see Hazel's story as an adult and then sort of see Hazel even move on. And, well, and I think we know. will, yeah, because this is, this is a story about Hazel. Right now it's about everything her parents did to make sure she, she stayed alive and get to that point where she's an adult. Yeah. But I don't think her parents are going to always be the focus because it's hard to you know have a, what is she, two now in the book? Hard to have a two-year-old be a focus of a, of a comic it would be probably pretty boring. Yeah, which which is true. And uh, I think that's kind of like playing with the whole, oh, my parents split up, and then pu- you know, play, putting that on its ear. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, having I'm still upset. He, he got me good on that. He did. <laughs> he, he got me on that one. Um, what, the, but, that, what was that accent? I don't know. Don't worry about it. All right, anyway. Um, but it's something where, you know, it would be so like Brian K. Vaughn to have us get so, so invested and 
you know, uh, Marco and uh, Alana's story and then kind of be like, oh, I know you guys just spent like the last 300 issues reading about these guys, but the story is actually about this. Yeah. Yeah. And then you begrudgingly like, I'm okay with this, Kayvon. I know. But this is the last time. Well, until the next time. You know, until the next this time. time is the last time. I mean, what can you do? Uh, just keep reading it forever and ever. It's right. so crazy to think because if you know if what if he gets to do what he wants to do in the walk and this gets to go on as long as The Walking Dead has, or maybe a little bit longer, like we're gonna be in our thirties reading this. We're gonna be old. We are. I don't know. Oh, it, yeah. Hey, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna shift. Because I know there's people older than us listening to this who are like, you guys are idiots. Shut the hell up. <laughs> uh, They're right about at least one thing. Can Marvel be milking the death of Wolverine anymore? Legitimate okay. question. Legitimate question. Not at all biased because David would never be biased. He's a very objective person. Um, yes, they could probably milk it more. But there's, a, mean, there's another my, where... death of Wolverine book that came out today. Yeah, well, no, no. I mean, we've had we, we've known about the death of Wolverine for months, and and almost as many months we've known that the said follow up, which you knew there was going to be some kind of direct follow up, where it's going to be this is the death of Wolverine, Logan's legacy, and I've actually read no the no no issues. no I'm talking about death of Wolverine, Deadpool, and Captain America. Oh well, again that that's another that's another follow up. I know, but do all... we have to call it death of Wolverine? Yes, because that's. It it's, has that's the event. Death. It has to do with his death. It's, that's, that's the event. Unfortunately, love it or hate it, the, the death of Wolverine is the death of Wolverine. So anything Marvel, from a marketing standpoint, can do is, is they're going to slap that label on it and be like, oh, do you want to know more about Wolverine's death? Check out this book about a geriatric Steve Rogers and Deadpool teaming up for one last hurrah in Logan's memory. Uh, you know? Which and, I still haven't that, read The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Which apparently is, was a uh, uh, was the, the the story arc that cemented the current Deadpool creative team's run in many fans' eyes. But I mean, that's one of those, that's one of those situations where love or hate it, which I feel is something I say a lot in the show. But you have to separate your your mind from the marketing and just focus on: is this an enjoyable story? Did I ultimately get my time's worth? If not money, then time. Yeah. You know. So. Uh, your mileage may vary, but yes, Marvel could definitely milk it because where's my Death of Wolverine plushie? Where's my my giant litho Death of Wolverine graph? Where's give it time? You know, I I'm, I need the stuff, Marvel. Come on. Anyway, yeah, uh, that's that's not what I wanted to talk about. Uh, now let's talk about Constantine a bit because the we the both show, actually watched that. Yes, we have the show premiered on last Friday, which is an interesting place to put a show um isn't friday known as like the death slot yeah friday, friday is not a, a well-desired slot would, would you say that this is has anything to do with maybe the studio's confidence in constantine going forward i, I think it does i mean they wouldn't they wouldn't premiere a show they obviously put a lot of money into and a lot of effort and energy into if they didn't think that it was going to be successful and well, they thought that he yeah. could even overcome kind of the the slump of Friday night, whatever that means. Yeah, which you know, people on Friday nights are usually out, they're you know, whatever, going to clubs or partying or just have various um, engagements. Watching to, to the uh, World Series. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, is that that's coming up? Yeah. Well, sorry. You know, Red Sox turned in. I kind of lost track after that. But coming up, no, it's happening right now. Oh, it is. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I can't. I certainly can't speak to you know, you know how how the studio themselves feel about it. Obviously, sometimes they put out shows which they have to know aren't going to work. Whether mm-hmm. it's a whether it ends up being a show that just unfortunately becomes underappreciated is one thing. But sometimes you just put out something and you're like, that might not catch fire the way I hope it would. You know? Right. So you you push one of the baby birds out of the nest and you're like, that bird is not flying back up. Mm-hmm. You know? I, it, that, it's it's too early to tell. And what I don't want us to do on this show so much is, is what we have done, which is we really kind of just look at the first issue or the first episode and then don't really kind of bring it back up. I'm wanting, I'm wanting us to do, and I know we, we try to do this with trees, but uh, you apparently hate me. I read, wanna... I read issue four, and I don't know what I did with my copy of number five, which that's, I that's swear neither here nor there. I bought. I swear I bought it. Yeah, say whatever you want. But anyway, uh, but but I think this is this is an important one to talk about since we both did watch it, and there's been some hype leading up to it, and I honestly did enjoy it. Uh, you, it, wait, you you didn't enjoy it? I did. Oh, you did enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, it, it obviously has its flaws, and we kind of talked about it a little bit before. Where the biggest issue really was the pacing, where it felt I, I legitimately felt like there was supposed to be an additional ten to fifteen minutes in the episode, and then they were like, "Nope, you have to cut it down to to forty two minutes." And they were like, "Well, we might as well just cut out all the pauses in the show." Yeah. That that's what it was. It was literally missing. Sort of a catch your breath moment, mm-hmm. where like they you would know? they would have this moment, and you're you're kind of have to like they don't give you the time to feel it. And yeah, then... the 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 moment where um what's it, Chaz gets mm-hmm. impaled, you know, I which I th- full you know full out. Oh yeah, uh, you know was was sort of like I was like they're killing him this early, and then and then you know basically a scene later it's just like oh, we're walking through the woods oh hey there's chance like i think what happened i think that was kind of on purpose though to kind of have you be like oh man all this craziness like what just happened he just died why aren't we talking about it oh hey he's back in the scene which i'm fine with constantine trying to but there, there wasn't like i feel like okay do a commercial break once he gets stabbed it's like oh my god you know and then come back from the commercial and you know Constantine and uh, Liv, you know, are walking through the forest, and you know I would I would certainly have Liv freaking out, and then have Constantine acting all all kind of casual and suave, and kind of being like, I mean, what's going on here? But they they didn't really react to it. Well, but they didn't they have time. Back. It was like that they had time. They're running through the woods. Like you can have conversation. Like in TV land, you could have some sort of brief conversation about, you know. Uh, oh my god your friend just died like why are you being so casual you know and him just being like you know but it was just like dead hey what do you want for lunch I mean yes but I think with how much they wanted to do in the pilot it wouldn't it it would have been distracting and maybe they tried to do maybe they got a little over ambitious in everything they wanted to do in this pilot I, I would say that it was a mix of ambition not necessarily matching execution and uh, and just I think a lot of it came down to the editing room, and 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 I'm saying this, I want full disclosure. I I'm really interested in watching more Constantine, despite mm-hmm. the flaws of the pilot. There was something about it that just in my 
critics minds eye heart whatever i knew that it, it was a bump in the road but that the show totally had room for improvement well and in we say this all the time with first issues typically and it's like you know they need to find their footing mm-hmm. which is absolutely true and i and i one thing i really appreciate in a show is quick pacing i really don't like shows that just drag stuff on cough cough the walking dead cough cough i appreciate when a show not necessarily the whole monster of the week thing, but even where it feels like the bigger story or character development is happening quickly, where mm-hmm. it's not like, hey, we're just going to dwell on this flaw or this like, or this boring event of will they, won't they for six episodes and not really have anything decided until the finale. And I certainly think that, that pacing, which just makes me really think about like Dragon Ball Z or anything remotely related to Dragon Ball, um, but that's actually more of an extreme. But in like broadcast television, especially American television, not necessarily like British, with maybe the exception of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. but there's sort of a, you know, what if this is successful? What if we can milk so x number of seasons out of it? And then unfortunately, you get the the filler episodes. Yeah, you know, and and I I I, I agree with you. I I you need to sort of write something from. The perspective that it could end tomorrow you don't necessarily want to rush everything out the door but you want to write it as if you actually have a plan in mind and ultimately if the story is done the story is done don't try to make it last any longer than it needs to mm-hmm. but you know uh i was gonna say i mean part of the issue might be because goyer probably had a much bigger hand in this first episode and I imagine as time goes on, his involvement will be lessened to a great degree. He's pretty big. Are you saying that as a fan of Goyer? Or... No, nobody's really. I mean, Goyer, I think Goyer's actually not a bad idea guy. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is when people let him write and get his ideas the way that, you know, like that him conceptualize or, or fully conceptualize it past just the general idea, that's when things kind of go bad. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that he just kind of becomes an idea guy, and then someone else runs with it and shapes it, you know that that's probably really the way, good way to go. Um, kind of like the uh, the the J.J. Abrams, but not as beloved. Yeah, but no, I like I like the stuff J.J. Abrams does. No, no, I, I know that's sort of why I meant. Yeah. Um, no, I I agree. I I don't really like. I know David Goyer has had his hand in a lot of various comic book properties mm-hmm. um but I, I like last year's man of steel not last year holy crap like two years ago it's been two years oh my god yeah uh man of steel but um you know I, I haven't quite found i'm not close enough to his material that i feel like i found what's a goyerism or something uh-huh i think i just coined that but yeah i, I mean i don't know how much of the show's shortcomings were directly related to Goyer. I, I really think that it was, I think part of it was the fact that they, they wrote Liz out, uh, uh, Liv out of the show, which you I know, think it was I, a good I, move. What, yeah, I'm not necessarily against it. Uh, I didn't necessarily feel enamored of her character. It felt like she was like, and it wasn't necessarily the actress or the, even the character's fault. It was just sort of setting up a sort of prototypical you know, jaded loner, wiser older guy and then like naive newcomer, you know, and, and it's just like, okay, we've seen that a million times before. Yeah. Well, and in her role, the way that she was written was she was supposed to be the one who didn't have any idea what's going on. So when they encounter a weird thing, you're going to have John turn to her and be like, oh, that's a blah, 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 blah. And they do this. 
uh, and they realized, you know, as time was going on, that wasn't really working. So they rewrote it and wrote her out and like reshot some of the pilot to write her out of it really early on. Well, it seems like they, ba- yeah, they basically the, that final scene in the bar was they yeah, basically, shot yeah, much later, shot, shot much later. And basically, and it's one of those things where maybe, maybe if I was just a casual viewer and I had, I didn't know ahead of time that they were going to write her out. Maybe, maybe, maybe I would have been like, oh, okay, like that's just, you know, she came in for an episode and now she's gone. Because characters do that on television shows. Yeah. But and, because I know it, it was sort of like, I can kind of see where they just, unfortunately, they, they just got a little choppy with the pilot. But like I said, there's there's something redeemable, and I'm going to say it. It's totally Matt Ryan as Constantine. I was going to say, Matt Ryan was born to play this role. He is really the shining star of the of the pilot and you know there's other good stuff there's plenty of bad stuff but if this show like i really don't want this show to get canceled because i want matt ryan as constantine yeah and he's just he's so good at it and i you know part of that is he really understands the character but also the creative team really cares about him mm-hmm. you know as as a character and i'm not i mean i'm sure they care about matt ryan plenty that's fine um and, and, and you know, like, I really like seeing because everybody freaking out uh, over the fact that he can't smoke. We're not going to talk about his bisexuality, even though it's a really minor thing in the comics. People just want to find stuff to hate. And, and, you know, just to have him be on the screen and just be the character. And he never once lights up a cigarette. And it's like, you know, to really see, like, that doesn't matter. That's a character trait. Yes, there's the whole cancer storyline. But it's possible to tell a story about this character that doesn't rely on cigarettes. Yeah. You know, I, I still, a part of me still wishes that I could have seen a version of Constantine uh, in like a Showtime or HBO or stars format. Yeah. I, yeah. But not not necessarily so that they, they would feel compelled to like include the smoking or show like random nudity or whatever, but just something that I, I just, I feel like, or even on AMC, like along with the walking dead and all that, I just feel like there's, you can just kind of see, like a broadcast show, mm-hmm. like and, and then like the, like what the real like there is some sort of aesthetic mental difference between like a broadcast show and like a premium channel show, but that neither being here nor there, um, it, you're right. I I didn't I I don't have an affinity for smoking. Uh, I certainly don't think there's any reason to. I, I understand it's an it's a quote unquote integral part of his character. It's just kind of like there. But I, I, as a, my personally, I don't miss it. Uh, and something like the bisexuality thing, I personally wouldn't have, you know, if they put it in or not, like, you know, it doesn't necessarily affect me. And if the show's successful, like, there's no reason, why, you know, they don't have to throw everything out to you in the first episode. Well, no. And how yeah. many, I mean, what was somebody going to be like, turn to him and be like, hey, by the way, John, uh, which team are you playing for? Exactly. You know, like, no, it would have just felt weird. There, there, there is totally a, a, a time where, for for the needs of an episode or something they could integrate that that part of his characteristic in a natural and organic way that also furthers the story along mm-hmm. and we, we don't necessarily have to get that in the first episode uh it, it's not like he was overly heterosexual in the episode either no you know? and, was... and, and that's part of the reason that i'm kind of glad they got rid of Liv. and i don't know what they're going to do with zed uh, but it seemed also like Liv was going to be built up as the one that john feels like he has to protect and you know season finale that demon's gonna come back and try to get her and he's like gonna be like no like 
love you and I'm going to protect you and do everything that it takes and et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. John like Constantine, it... when played right, he, he can't be a character that can ever have a normal relationship. So I wouldn't no. say don't bother, but it's got to be something really special. It's got to and... always be tragic. It, exactly. And, and I haven't, you know, uh, this kind of ties into my, my, my follow-up, but being that I haven't read the end of the series, I know that the, the last writer on Hellblazer, Peter Milligan, was writing a story about how John Constantine got married, and I don't really know how it turned out. Uh-huh. But that being said, David, how's our Hellblazer challenge going? Oh, man, you know. How many, how many issues of Hellblazer would you say that you've read? It sucks, because today, today I was actually going to read, a, like, a bunch, but then I wanted to finish up the episode of Flash that I started this morning, and then I had to go to the gym and other excuses. <laughs> So I no excuses for Hellblazer. I have still only read the first issue. I did not st- shame. I shame. I did not stop because I didn't like it. I I did like it, and I plan on reading more, in the same way that I plan on reading all of Hickman's run of FF, as I plan on reading a bunch of other you know storylines. But Nick, I mean, how many have you read? You obviously have more to share here. I only read the first issue. There it is. <laughs> so let's let's not get maybe, hung up maybe, on that. Maybe, maybe like the first five pages of the second issue. Let's not get hung up and beat ourselves up. I mean, there's still plenty of time. But from an article that I was reading this morning, what I got away from was it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I really uh, before before we we move on to anything else, I really enjoyed the bit with his business card. Whenever anybody read it, it's like you know, master of the of the dark arts, you know, getting that part changed. I'm gonna change it. Yeah, it's it's just like this. It really plays into that egotistical part of him, but also the self-deprecating part, where he obviously exactly. like he in eternally he views himself as a master of the dark arts. But if anybody were to talk to him about it, he would be like, "Oh, I'm just you know, I'm a shyster. I just do tricks." Yeah, like he's, it's. He's he's well, and, and he's, he's a con he, man. So he, you know, he's, he's a con man, and he's almost a con. He almost cons himself. Like mm-hmm. he hit the vibe where he's always putting up this front about how he's just like, eh, I don't care about that, and eh, you know. But deep yeah. down, he 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 does. I don't want to say a heart of gold, but maybe bronze or just something. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have a heart of gold. You know, but but he, it's something where he you know he he makes points to 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 not necessarily force the expression of caring but that he can't help but care about certain things but that he 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 actually more eagerly wants to put up the front that like he doesn't give a crap about things mm-hmm. you know is that that you know that he's almost always begrudgingly doing the right thing but but in reality like he does want to do the right thing yeah but you know he's he's got to keep up this exterior and i think like when he had that that brief moment where he talked about his mother if it if what he was saying was actually true Mm-hmm. Um, you know that shows that like he in a lot of ways is sort of in tuned with his, he actually is in tune with his feelings but he he clearly walks a very dangerous road and he he needs to keep up John Constantine con man you know con artist and master of deception magic, yeah whatever what was it that Matt Ryan said uh, if he you know he's going to try to con you if he can't con you oh, what was it uh, Matt Ryan Constantine yeah, this is really great radio right here as I Google stuff off to the side. Do you remember at all? Who, For which, which one? You sent me the picture. Maybe I have that on my phone where it's like, uh, you know, he was 
he was he was in the he was in like a he was on a late night show and it was like john constantine's a guy who's gonna try and con you if he can't con you he's gonna do this oh yeah do that, he's gonna do i can't remember what it was oh man we have a <laughs> lot of text history to go through uh, like we communicate with each other yeah quite a bit uh i think i'm almost there so randomly i'll just say that i really think andrea sorrentino's uh cover for midnight of gotham or whatever it's called that i sent to you earlier and now am idiotically forgetting uh (laughs) is really cool and i'm really sad that sorrentino is no longer on green arrow he does seem to be doing more work for marvel though what's he got coming out for marvel He's doing a couple of annuals with uh, Bendis about one of his X Men characters. Oh, cool. uh, either, uh, no, it hasn't happened yet. So it's either this month, uh, November or December. I think they come out. That is a cool cover, though, showing the uh, the split between the Jim Corrigan life and the Spectre life. Mm-hmm. Which Spectre is going to be in Constantine? I did not realize. I've kind of been doing this thing, and I'm really glad where I'm not really looking in on you know not looking to get every trailer and i'm Mm -hmm. not i'm not looking to get every little like behind the scenes featurette and i totally can't find that picture i don't remember how you sent it to me i Um, I send things in so many ways you really do though anyway uh yeah i'm not i'm not spending all this time and energy like getting all this information overexposing myself to stuff (laughs) uh how did i start this (laughs) Got distracted. You're saying that you were looking for a picture that I sent you. Yes, no, I know that, but I mean, like, how did I get started on this? I'm not looking for. You, I'm not you over... were trying. You were. You're talking about how you don't want to overexpose yourself to the behind, like the 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 bigger picture of how something made. You just want to focus on the actual product itself. Yes, but what was I referring to specifically when I started that? Constantine. We were talking about Constantine. No, okay, you're being useless to me. You, you know what? You know who's who oh Sorrentino. Uh, so oh, wait, Sorrentino. Sorrentino. Behind the scenes stuff. Oh, oh, uh, it was Constantine. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Okay, yeah, because he's gonna be the Spectre, and usually that like that's news. I feel like I would find where you know I would I'd always be watching. It's like oh, there's some new casting stuff. Who is that? I'm you know super excited for it, and I'm not doing that as much. And I think I'm just enjoying stuff naturally a lot more. You know, as it's happening. I don't have I don't have as much surprise because I'm still constantly surrounded uh, by information and news, so I kind of get like I, I'll at least hear a rumor. But I'm you know I'm I'm enjoying stuff mostly as as it's coming. Exactly, I think it, there's something to be said that as as oversaturated we are, as we are with previews and teasers and things, and it's not necessarily. It, it's really, I feel, a response that the 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 the, the big the, the big media is doing back to us because we're asking for it. Whether mm-hmm. we maybe we're not all asking for it, but everyone, it's like we can't just be happy and wait. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy Two is coming out in like 2017. I will just go about my life, do my own thing, walk the dog, and then when it comes around, I'll go and see it. It's no. I need to. I can't wait for all the casting news. Who are they going to add into the movie? Like, I can understand being excited and speculating and kind of mm-hmm. wishful thinking and daydreaming, but when it comes to like that, someone goes out there and like hacks a computer to pull yeah. like a leak and leak a trailer just because they could, just because they really wanted to see it and they couldn't wait 
like 48 hours for it to be released officially like it's not this isn't like edward snowden the freaking government and releasing like giant secrets this is this is comic books this is movies this is whatever like this this there's no reason this stuff has to be leaked ahead of time there's no reason it has to be such a big deal to crave every little spoiler you know yeah uh no absolutely it's like this whole thing with the woman in the blue dress in the avengers trailer there's apparently this woman who's in a blue dress in the party scene and people are like who is this is it natalie portman there's all this speculation and i'm like you know it is who it is if you know if they're not going to show us either it's a secret or she's just not important it's like why waste time put like showing her in the scene or maybe she's like super important and then like why do i want to spoil it for myself by going out to look who's it's going to be Exactly. Just... Was like, was, I, there was, and I wish I could hunt it down. This was actually a few years ago. I was reading a Wired magazine, and it was kind of like a flow chart mm-hmm. of, and they used the Die Hard movie as an example. And it was basically like modern movie watching, and it basically started with kind of what we're talking about with like the teasers and like the form discussions and like spoilers and leak stuff. And it sort of like basically ends with like the actual movie you end up going seeing. That because like they already showed you like the first thirteen minutes as like a preview from for another movie, that like you basically just start the movie like thirteen minutes in and like the whole thing is like it just doesn't matter. Basically, was the point of the flow chart was that like you basically have all this stuff thrown at you or that you've actively sought out, yeah. you know, up to the release of the movie that like it literally doesn't matter that Die Hard's coming out now, like mm-hmm. there, there's there's no there's no surprise and, and stories need some measure of surprise. Oh, absolutely, they do. Which, that's funny because we're going to be talking a lot about uh, a bunch of ruined spoil surprises in a few minutes. <laughs> um, anyway, I found the I found the quote. Amazingly, Perfect. so this will be our this will kind of be text? our. Was it a text? I, I don't know. I found it on uh, through a Google search. Oh, okay. Perfect. Anyway, keep going. So, uh, how would you describe John Constantine? Is what he's asked, and Matt Ryan says he's the type of guy that will try to con you. If he can't con you, he'll kick you in the balls. If he can't kick you in the balls, then he'll just run away. So this guy gets it. <laughs> Moving on. Um, one thing, I, I didn't put this in the show notes, but I want to talk about, and I'm going to talk about delicately, uh, is this week's episode of The Flash. As I mentioned, I finished it earlier today, and mm-hmm. I really liked it. I, mm-hmm. I, I was not planning actually on us talking about the flash or uh arrow until episode eight which is when they're doing the really big crossover you know mm-hmm. the, the brave and the bold that you know, i'm really excited about mm-hmm. uh and this this week kind of had their first i mean yeah barry allen and Stephen amell like we're in uh yeah like i'm doing it back in the, in the first episode of flash you had uh Stephen amell in there first episode of arrow you kind of had barry allen in there for a minute i like how i'm referring to one of them by their character name and one by their actor name what are you gonna do and this week was kind of like the beginning of the casual crossover where you had felicity just show up in in flash i it was just something i haven't really seen since uh buffy or angel mm-hmm. he was actually pretty good at that they were really good at managing that kind of stuff and i'm excited to see them do that more with this but anyway this was the uh week where are, are you still there i'm still here oh yeah. sorry internet just like freaked out and i thought you got disconnected uh anyway this was the introduction of captain cold i don't want to talk about it too much i i actually liked the actor he kind of played up the corniness of it 
Uh, and, you know, he kind of had a couple Mr. Freeze moments with some puns. Not puns, just jokes that were not him trying to be funny, but just like the way things were worded, like, we have to keep our cool and, and stuff like that. Uh, but I like this because this is a character that at the end didn't get killed or didn't get arrested. He's still out there to cause trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, there's there's the potential lead up of the other stuff he's going to do. You know, this episode is called Going Rogue. Uh, there was also this moment with Cisco that's really good where, you know, you kind of find out that Cisco hasn't been telling everything to Barry. And it's just really good character moment that I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. You really like Cisco. I do, man. I don't know why. They did such a good job with casting Cisco and they've been doing a really good job with writing him. Mm-hmm. It's he, like it's just working for me all around. It's it's a great character. And I, I don't know if I want him to be vibe, but I'm just enjoying him in the role that he's in uh, right now. What else happened uh, in this that I enjoyed so much? Oh, and like the kind of the final action sequence, which I've I've noticed that they're doing all of their big action sequences at night, and that's obviously to cover up the fact that they can't, you know, the special effects budget is not as good as on a uh, movie, yeah. so they have to hide it in ways like having everything be at night. But it's really cool, and I think there's a moment where like he kind of taps into the speed force and does some, you know, awesome being fast stuff whatever the technical term for his superpowers are anyway i think you should really catch up on it and i didn't get to watch tonight's arrow which is sad yeah i'm only i'm only uh, i i caught up as up to last week's episode yeah i know know you're pretty much there i'll probably watch it by sunday at the latest but um yeah no no i i when i watched the first two episodes uh, i'm pretty sure i watched them back to back um it was one of the things where I knew I was, I, I was in, I, I did enjoy it, and I knew that I was going to keep watching just because I, I, I've been such a big fan of Arrow. But it's one of those things where even though Arrow sometimes really stretches your 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 suspension of disbelief, Flash just because it's now dealing with super science, it's like okay, you have to accept a world where a guy runs really fast. Well, yeah, you know that the yeah. things are changing, but then there are certain things that just like I'm like I'm watching it, and I'm just like, okay, like why is it that one of the the biggest scientific disasters in history, you know, the, the explosion of the the hadron, essentially the hadron collider, hadron um, collider, you, you know, um, you know, exploding in the middle of a city, you know, why, why is it that that the government, you know, would even allow the facility to remain even partially operational? Because Sh- exactly, that's what I mean. That's how, that's your response. You couldn't even come up with a good response. And I'm not saying that as a hater. It's just sort of like. Like there could be an in-show reason for why, you know, maybe Harrison Wells just has like a lot of strengths. Well, there's a lot we don't know about Harrison Wells, there though, is. and he's there one of the is. most interesting plot hooks, I would say. He, he definitely is. That's another story. Then there's other smaller things, like as much as I, I really dig Cisco, just as personality-wise, like I really gravitate towards him, but it's sort of it's just sort of like the nature. It's it's like a CSI syndrome where kind of like. If it was happening in real life, it would either be incredibly difficult to do or really boring to mm-hmm. work through the process. So it's something like I don't understand where he got the resources to make a high density nutri- nutrition bar that would satisfy Barry's, you know, needs as the Flash. 
Also, not. why is he? Why is he just good? I mean, obviously, like, I don't think it's it's I don't think it's super complicated to make uh, a nutrition bar. But then it's like something more specifically, like, hey, I just built this treadmill that can totally handle you, even though like the best treadmills in the world from the actual people that make treadmills for a living could never make something. Dude, cos don't don't hate on the cosmic treadmill. No, I love the cosmic treadmill. I'm just saying in story, it's sort of like. It's just one of those, it's convenient plotting where it's like, oh, "Oh, we need to get over this hurdle, so we're going to insert this here. But that is so comic book, though. It is. That's why I'm saying it, and I'm not trying to come off as a hater, because at the end of the day, now that I've gotten like three, four episodes in, uh, I'm just kind of looking past it now. I'm just like, all right, I'm, no pun intended, along for the ride. I think it's good every once in a while to really just kind of step back and be like, okay, I'm aware of how ridiculous this is, right? And then just to go with it, just to like push forward, because obviously it is super ridiculous. I mean, it's, you know, people are gonna like be like, "Oh, you watch that show?" And you just kind of got to be like, "Yeah." I mean, it's a bad guy that runs really fast. It's fun. I enjoy it. Like exactly. Well, you know, we're something where we've we've made it into our 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 mid to late twenties, and we're still you know avidly reading uh comic books specifically those based on superheroes and and following the multimedia progress that they make you know but it's something where we are close enough to the subject that we can we can be like you know it's okay to watch something that's you know maybe plot wise ridiculous Mm -hmm. you know but but just like not life doesn't have to be so self-serious not everything has to be like a you know a william faulkner novel even if william faulkner is like really good you know, sometimes you just want to watch a guy that runs fast and his his uh, fun sidekick make nutrition bars out of thin air. Well, Cisco is no sidekick. I, I yeah, man, I, I really do like sidekick, and I like Danielle Ponabaker, though I can't think of her name right now in the show. Who? The the girl that works with them. Oh, the, the, uh, Caitlin the Snow. Caitlin Snow. Who, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know how I feel about her, but. The, the, she's a slow build. Cisco comes out and he's playing the fun buddy buddy. You know, unfortunately yeah. with Kayla Snow's story, it's sort of like, well, it was really only nine months ago that my fiance was blown up, essentially. Blown up? You mean uh, transformed? Transformed? Like his body was ripped apart and reformed as the Firestorm? And I gotta say, uh, Danielle Panabaker's IMDb photo ain't bad. But that's neither here nor there. All right, you know what? It's not plot specific. It's not plot specific. Nick, are you ready for your quiz? I, uh, David, are you ready for your quiz? What? What are you talking about, David? I don't know if you realize this, but I was going to spring a quiz on you. But all of this preparation I did today—that you didn't actually do. Shh, we're doing a bit. Okay, so go ahead, threaten my family, David. If you do not pass this quiz, okay. Your family. Actually, no. Let me read this. Your the the young children in your family okay. will Where be taken going? from their homes and indoctrinated in evil organizations around the DC universe. Okay. Are you ready for the quiz? I guess. All right. This week's quiz is. I am going to do a couple of different things. Either I am going to ask you if it's um, um, an anagram, um, kind of like S.H.I.E.L.D., 
I'm going to ask you to try and spell out what the what it actually stands for. Oh, or okay. I'm going to mention an individual who's associated with an evil organization in the DC universe, and you have to guess which organization that is. Okay. I don't have no idea this is going to go. Uh, I'm a little excited. Uh, I picked DC. I thought about Marvel because I'm a bit more familiar with Marvel, but I, I think I picked out some groups that hopefully you know. Hopefully. Uh, so, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some chances here. Okay. 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 So the first question is, what does Hive stand for? You get uh, two options that will be considered oh. correct. Okay. I also don't think you'll get it. Okay. But maybe, but maybe you'll surprise me. Maybe you know all about the hive. Oh, I totally thought you were about to give me two options to pick from. I'm like, oh, that's going to help. Uh, never mind. So I have to pick. I have to figure out hive. Uh, okay. They mentioned this in an Arrow episode, and then I went and Googled it and promptly forgot. Uh, highly intuitive velociraptor uh, eaters. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is that uh, the final answer? How, how close was I? Um, it was the original was the hierarchy of international vengeance and extermination. Okay. Which you know, just it's the kind of thing that people sit around when they're totally intentionally trying to be evil. Yeah, seriously. Um, there also you can if you would like, I'll give you two bonus rounds on this particular one if you want to try and guess the second. Uh, oh no, no that, that's not going to go any better. <laughs> okay. The, uh... Well, the second one was holistic integration for viral equality. This came from. This was actually during Flashpoint. Oh. Uh, oh I also man. believe. No, sorry, sorry. It wasn't Flashpoint. It was following Flashpoint. It was. It's the the acronym for Hive, in the New Fifty Two. Oh, gotcha. All right. Now I, you probably will get this, but name a character associated with Hive. This is kind of the way that you could potentially save this question. Ooh. Associated with Hive? That's a character that I know you know that's associated with Hive. And it might not necessarily be from the comics, but I will say no more. I want to say Deadshot. But I don't think that's right based on your silence. Maybe my silence is that you're correct, but you are actually wrong. I knew it. It is Deathstroke. Oh. And he, he does have some connections to the actual comic team, but specifically I was if if I don't I, I'm assuming you watched it, but he was the, the organization in the Teen Titans cartoon was was high. Oh, it's and, been so long since I've watched the Teen Titans cartoon. Yeah, no, it's been a long time. I just happened to be refreshed on that. All right. So anyway, you uh, so that all counted as one question, right? Yeah, basically. Okay. Um, so the next one is you have to guess the organization based off the name I'm going to give you. Okay. David Kane. David Kane. David Kane. Uh, there's a cane that I know is involved with another organization. Spiral? It's totally not Spiral. No. Yeah, I don't know. Really? Really? You're not, David, not, not going to try? David Kane, uh, Evil Organizations. Uh, the only other one popping in my head is Argus. 
Mm, evil Argus. organization. Yeah, I guess Argus is more ambivalent than anything. Uh, David Kane. Hmm. I, I'm, I really, I'm really trying to throw you a ball here. Hold on. Let me just give me a second to think here. Give me a second. Uh, evil organizations. I swear to God, if he's part of Hive, I'm gonna come punch you <laughs> in the throat. <laughs> this uh, is not back to Hive. Oh, uh, I guess the only other one would be League of Assassins. Okay. I don't know if I should give you points for that, but it is the League of Assassins. Why shouldn't you give me points for that? Because it's be, be, because it took you like five times. Eh, oh, 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 oh. Okay, okay, okay. We're not talking about me and my past indiscretions. We're talking about you, David. All right. Anyway. Um. All right. Next one. Um. Azrael. Oh man, I've never really thought about what organization he's part of. Wait, isn't he a good guy? Uh, CSC. Huh? It's Spanish for so-so. Really? I always thought he was kind the of... The organization um... that he's a part of is not necessarily good. Uh, I can't think of what organization he's part of. Uh, David, you have failed this city. Order of St. Dumas. Mm. Okay. Um. All right. This is not going well. No. Um. I mean, I know you're really attached to your niece and nephews and all that stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> do they? I mean, if anything, maybe an evil organization would be better for them. Yeah, you know, really. The chance to start over. Yeah, because I'm the one who's, you know, really primarily in charge of their care and education. Yeah, which is, I wouldn't necessarily put anything in your care. But anyway, based on your quiz results. All right. Um, second to last one. Bruno... Manheim. Bruno Manheim. I have to guess which organization he's involved with. Yes, you have to guess which organization he's involved with. If you remember your fifty-two weekly series, then then this. Oh wait, was he in that? I think he was in that. Was he part of that weird cult? Mm, There, it was kind of cultish, but it's not. The word cult does not show up. Like like the people who were trying to like resurrect Sue or whatever. I honestly, I, I'm having trouble going back that far and remembering. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Intergang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that. Yeah. I, I think about intergang often. You, you don't. You don't think of intergang often. No. All right. Well, uh, then I can't help you. Um, last one. Cobra. I have to guess what Cobra stands for. You have to guess which organization oh, Cobra. Cobra belongs to. Uh, the Serpent Society. No, that's uh, Marvel. Oh, dang it. Uh, this is kind of a trick question. What? It's kind of a trick question. Cobra? Yep. Is he involved with the organization Cobra from G.I. Joe? No. It's all DC, <laughs> but you are right that the organization is called Cobra. <laughs> Bonus points. I'm taking it. What? What does is does is Cobra spelled with a C or a K? Um, since you're giving me that option, I'm gonna go with K. Yeah, you're right. I didn't really think that one through. 
All right, so you sort of got one point there out of this whole quiz. What? I got two. Uh, I don't know League if I of like League of Assassins. League that, of Assassins. That, that point is kind of in limbo right now. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, it's not really my decision to give you the point or not. So, I mean, like, we're going to let the Spectre decide. Yeah, uh, people, if people want to, like, write in and declare whether or not you think I should get that point, go right ahead. Yeah, they're going to totally support me because yeah. I'm just a supportable kind of guy. I don't know if anybody supports you, Nick. Oh, God, it's so true. <sighs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, That's... man, that was that was a rough few minutes there. That was rough for everybody. All right. Look, before we get to the really big news story that everyone's like chomping at the bit to talk about, I want to talk about this Dustin Nguyen story for just a moment. Also, how you spelled his name wrong? Uh, you know, I just kind of threw it up there. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, because you're spelling it so much better right now. Oh, come on. I was. Did, did, I, did I spell it wrong? I was like almost there. On yeah, it. I... No, I spelled it right. No, you totally did not spell oh, it. Oh, well, first of all, we're put Okay, that's not important. Did we both spell it we wrong? We both spelled it wrong. That's not important. We're not going to get into that right now. Oh, we did. So there was anyway. a there was a rumor that uh Joel Shoemaker was going to be making another Batman project. Mhm. And it was going to be called Batman Triumphant. It was going to be like a, it was going to be a follow-up to Batman Forever, right? It Batman Triumphant was supposed to be the sequel to Batman and Robin. Okay. He he had originally oh, right. envisioned a three-part uh, a trilogy. Yeah. Starting with Batman Forever. And Batman Forever, which at least you know, out of those early Batman movies, I think Batman Forever was one of the first ones I saw before the, the Burton ones, and mm-hmm. I have a certain fondness for it, though I ha- I really haven't watched it in years, so I don't really want to ruin that fondness. That's unfortunate. Um, I can see why Batman Robin is such a joke, also having not really watched it in years. Um, but a lot of it comes down to Batman and Robin was, basically, Batman Forever was became, was really successful, so Warner Brothers was like, alright, let's do another one. And Shoemaker was like, you know, not necessarily in a position like ready to make the next one mm-hmm. but he signed on anyway so it just kind of became like tight deadlines um kind of like cobbling something together that you know would be remotely successful and then it just i, I don't necessarily remember how if it was financially successful in any way but creatively you know they they, they definitely screwed the pooch and, and shoemaker takes full responsibility for it now um, he does you know for it's, a while he didn't. Uh, well, I, I didn't. I haven't necessarily followed the story, so I don't know. But I mean, regardless, I wouldn't necessarily want to admit <laughs> to something like that. And oh, yeah, uh, no. you know, props, props for admitting it. You know, unfortunately, it's one of those things where people, fans like to kind of, you know, they like to love, but they also like to hate. And sometimes it's easy to kind of like instead of looking at something as this big, big, big picture and all like the thousands of people that actually have their hands in it, especially when it comes to movies. Sort of like they just like to zero in on one person and be like, this totally sucked because of this reason. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is what it is, but I don't think, I certainly don't think my life stopped when Batman and Robin came out. Um, but there's actually just something about the Batman Triumphant title that I love. For, it is a great, it is a great title. Batman Triumphant. Like, it, it absolutely is. Uh, first of all, did you know that George Clooney will give people their money back if they complain to him about Batman and Robin? He did what? Like, if you go up to George Clooney and you're like, man, Batman and Robin sucked, he'll be like, here's your money back and hand you some cash. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Uh, anyway, no, but Batman Triumphant is an absolutely amazing title. 
uh, I don't want it to be used for a Joel Shoemaker project. Uh, and I'm glad that Dustin Nguyen has... Every time I say his name, I just want to sing All We Are is Dustin Nguyen. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that he is not going to be involved with that possible train wreck. Uh, well, I think it's kind of like not not necessarily um you know comparing the two quality wise because I know that one's universally hated and one's universally beloved, but it's kind of like the Adam West Batman series, which is very very hokey, but it, it, there's something redeemable about. It. I'm not saying that there's necessarily anything redeemable about Batman and Robin, but I wouldn't necessarily be against a comic book that goes back to that particular Batman continuity. You know, whether it ends up being a good or bad book, it's just like it would just be kind of funny to see what could have been. Mm-hmm. You know, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, if it does come out, I will definitely pick it up. Uh, well, okay, when I say pick it up, I mean physically pick it up in my comic shop to read through it there. <laughs> Not necessarily uh, pay money for it, because it, it, it's definitely a curiosity thing. Mm hmm. Uh, I also did not know that Jeff Lemire... Maybe I didn't. I just pushed it back to my head. Uh, that Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen are doing an image book. I knew that, but I don't remember what it's called. Descender. Descender. Okay, yes, yes, yes. I'm okay. going to read the crap out of that book. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot of stuff coming out from Image over the next six months that I'm definitely excited for. And you know what's tough? My wallet just <laughs> cried a little. That That is tough. Uh, mine too. But... Um, Interstellar and Big Hero Six are both coming out on the same day. Yeah, what? Well, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's... technically, they're looking at two different demographics. Oh, absolutely. But Cause... I think they're unfortunately for one demographic, they kind of require the other demographic yeah. to bring them. So it's one of those things where I want to go see both movies, but I'm totally picking Interstellar first off. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way. But I, you know, not in besides the summertime, I probably see maybe two movies in the fall and winter. Mm-hmm. You know, just I don't know, it just gets away from me. And uh, I mean, I don't know when I'll end up seeing Big Hero Six. I'll probably make it a priority just because it's a, a you know, a, it's kind of a big thing from a industry point of view. But you know, I'll get around to it. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely do want to see Big Hero Six. Uh, but like you said, actually I don't know. I I do see because there's so there's so many films coming out. There's the new, um, other movies coming out. There's the new uh, Hunger Games, which I don't even want to talk about the fact that they're splitting that up. There's the new Hobbit. Which I don't want, I don't want to talk about the fact that they've split that up either. <laughs> uh, oh, there's other some other really big movies coming out. Uh, over this winter season but yeah it just kind of suck for us it feels like big hero six is kind of getting the shaft of that deal but there's plenty of people who are going to be lining up to see it absolutely there's plenty of people who are our age who are like i don't want to see interstellar that seems boring i'm gonna go see this bright you know animated disney movie with superheroes Mm -hmm. and i still think it's so odd they haven't haven't put marvel's name anywhere on it i don't think that they will and i'm at peace with it but i yeah i get why they're not but i really one thing i really like that that jeff johns has said about dc is that they are not opposed 
to there being alternate universes within the realm of their TV and movie stuff. So I know that the Marvel movie universe is its own number and it's been referenced a couple times in the comics, but you're not going to see, you know, you're not going to see cap. You're not going to see captain America and iron man in the movie being like, we've detected there's another planet out there and there's people just like us. And they're going to be talking about the six one six earth. Yeah. But there is a possibility that at least in, on some level, the movie universe of DC and the TV universe that they're building is going to have some sort of one of them is going to have knowledge of the other in in some capacity, or there might even be a brief moment of crossover. Oh, because I know they want to do, or Jeff Johnson said it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility for them to do some version of Flashpoint within the Flash and Arrow universe. They they totally could. It would be kind of funny if they did, you know, sort of a an adaptation of the Flash of Two Worlds story. Mm-hmm. You know, where it was it was Barry and Jay Gallic Jay Gallic Jay Garrick meeting, but they could actually do both the movie version of Flash and the TV version of Flash. Because at this point, they're at least between TV and the movies, they're the only two that are actually the same. As far mm-hmm. as as far as there there being a Flash movie and a Flash TV show that both are distinct universes. Yeah. You know, but I don't know if we'll necessarily ever see Green Arrow on the big screen. You know, it would be kind of cool, kind of like when we were kids and they made the Power Ranger movies. Oh, man. You know, from the shows that, that, you know, kind of like, I know like like with Community, everyone's like six seasons in a movie. You know, that with a movie, they could, you know, that if they were just like, we're going to do an Arrow movie, you know, they could conceivably, you know, imagine just the, the show Arrow, but with just like a movie budget. And how awesome that could be! Oh, the fight scenes would be incredible. You know, it's obviously a lot of you. Know, you're right; it does come down to budget, so they have to kind of pull back on a lot of things. Yeah, you know what I think would be great is if Tom Welling somehow appeared or was referenced as Superman. That there was a crossover, or the the the, the Smallville Green Arrow as well. That they could they could bring that universe, and it could be the the crisis of the cinematic <laughs> DC. Yeah, I'd be all for it, but but I mean, we know we're not going to see Henry Cavill on the small screen. But I mean, how great would it be if it's like we've opened a door to another world, and here comes Superman, and it's Tom Welling, and it's kind of like it's been however many years later, which I know they're doing the comic, but you know, it's been uh, when did the show end? It ended. Oh, it was a while. It was a few years ago. I think. Three years ago. But it's like, you know, if they did it, say, in like two years and it's been like five years since the show happened and he's been Superman for a little while, he's cemented in that role. I think that'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. That'd be super cool. All right. But we have a really big story to talk about. Do we, though? Is it the story about how there's actually an actor named Dustin Nguyen, who's also a martial artist? No. But But I know what you've been Googling. (laughs) So before, before we talk about marvel's huge announcement did you watch the uh the clip of all of the superheroes trying to lift up thor's hammer i did not i oh, i was what? one of the things where i i wanted to I, I wanted to watch it but again it was kind of back come back around to i want to also be able to appreciate it when i actually see the movie i don't know it's a small enough moment that it was worth just seeing right then i mean it's like a, it's an it's an additional minute of footage it's what they showed at comic-con apparently 
and they reworked into showing at the end of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when they realized, oh crap, our trailer has been leaked. Anyway, yesterday Marvel decided they were going to be the Apple of comic companies and hold a big event to announce their film slate uh, all the way up to, what, 2019, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah, 2019. Or- yeah, 20... we, we need like a we need like a chart. There's like a poster to be like our lives are can be consumed by these films for the next five years. Well, somebody did a count. I think there's 27 or 29 superhero movies. If you're counting in Fox and Sony and what they're doing, yeah. And there's like 27 or 29. I will not be seeing all of those. I probably will be seeing all of them. I'll be seeing a good number of them. You will probably be seeing at least 26 out of the 27. Oh, God, Remember, it's... David, we we are essentially comic book. <laughs> we're 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 in the media of comic books, so we're we're kind of compelled to, to at least see the big the movies. Yeah. Okay. So, really, I would love to get to the point where we can read more books and talk about them. <laughs> right. Not uh, on a fifth week. Not on a fifth week. Okay. So let's just go through. I think these are all in the dates they're coming out. I just want to make sure before I start talking about it. Okay. Yes. Uh. So. We've already known that Doctor Strange is coming out, uh, but they just, they just decided to talk about it a little bit. Their biggest thing with that is that, hey, Benedict Cumberbatch is not going to be uh, Doctor Strange. He might be. That's you know that's not out of the realm of possibility, but at this moment, no, he is not Doctor Strange. You were very adamant to point this out. I am because it's. I don't think it's a good casting choice. I think it's 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 a safe choice that's playing into what's popular, but I just I don't see it. He doesn't he doesn't carry himself with that older wisdom that I think Doctor Strange needs to have. That you know a man who has learned a lot in life and who has amassed a lot of knowledge and is now acting as a guide to a lot of these other heroes. Mm-hmm. And I firmly stand by. I know this won't happen. That Christian Bale would be an amazing Doctor Strange. Just think about it, people. Think about it. Anyway, after that, uh, so that's November 2016. We know Ant-Man is coming out before then. Obviously, Age of Ultron before then. Uh, After that, you have Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which the release date has been moved up uh, to May 5th. It was originally announced for July. We need our raccoons and our trees now. Yes, well, this is also the year that they're doing. They're starting three movies a year. Yeah, well, we which, got stuff to cover. It's it's amp. That's so ambitious. So let's kind of talk about these. I say as we're going through them. Obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy two. Nothing really big there. Um, n- nothing really big yet. Yeah, and it's gonna be. It'll you know it's gonna be very highly looked forward to. It's probably the highest one of the highest anticipated ones right now. Uh, we also have Thor Ragnarok coming out a couple months later, July 28th, 2017. Chris Hemsworth is, of course, returning as Thor. Tom Hiddleston returning as Loki. Uh, apparently, it's very important for the Phase 3 timeline. Uh, oh, he compared it to Kevin Feige, Feige, whatever, uh, compared it to how Captain America Winter Soldier changed the course for Marvel Studios. So that's interesting. Uh, Which, the big thing that came out of Winter Soldier was that Shield was dismantled, mm-hmm. except it's not actually dismantled. It's being re, it's being put back together in secret, on a show called Agents of Shield. Yes, still uh, a big change, 
you know, t to a certain extent, but it, it, I don't really know why I even bothered to bring that up. Keep going. Because uh, you didn't know a show called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going on, which a lot of people don't. Anyway, I think we're going to see Loki do something big in this movie. I also think something big is going to happen to Thor in Age of Ultron. I think something might happen to Natalie Portman more specifically. Because why is Thor so angry in the trailer? Like, he goes to, like, attack Tony Stark. Possibly, you know, kill him. Who knows? But he gets, like, very angry at him. And it could be like, oh, you released this upon us. But that doesn't seem like a thing for him to lose his cool that extreme over. I don't know. I, I think something bad's going to happen to him. She might bite the bullet. Who knows? It's it's possible. I mean, I feel like she... Well, I don't know. I don't think she's going to die. She could, she'll probably be back for Ragnarok. If she was going to die in anything, it'll probably be Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if something big has to happen to change the direction here. It's, it's, it's one of those things where the... At this point, like they they're 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 presenting, they're trying to present the familiar, but like they really could do anything they want. Like mm -hmm. it, your mind, want as as like a fan, maybe not as a casual viewer, but like as a comic book fan, as, as someone at least for me, where like I know a lot of these stories, your mind wants to trap them based solely on like the titles, as like well, it's probably gonna have to follow this because it came from this and so on and so forth. But that's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Captain America Civil War is not going to be anything like the actual Civil War story. No, so you have to separate yourself from that. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll talk about more of that when we get to it. But one thing that's really obvious from all these announcements is that Marvel is using the the story names as names only, as mm -hmm. hooks. Uh, I mean, any other thoughts? Do you have any other thoughts on, on Ragnarok? This is actually one of the ones that I'm most looking forward to. Um, I mean, it, it feels like it's a long time away, but it does, yeah. You know, I'm the Thor movies are are are, are kind of the two where neither of them are bad, mm -hmm. but they feel okay. like, in despite of the fact that Avengers really was kind of a Thor, a very heavily Thor influenced movie. Yeah, you know, they kind of feel like the movies that are the most off to the side, which is a shame because I the first one at least is one of my favorites definitely from phase one i mean yeah it's, it's, it's kind of slim pickings in phase one but still yeah yeah no it's kind of like you get what you you, you you take what you can get you know so i, I don't know i think i think at this point what there's so much like you just unfortunately like you you just you can't figure out what's actually going to happen with ragnarok i mean the title ragnarok alone is very definitive mm -hmm. it, it being sort of the the end of days in norse mythology you know, but it's sort of like, you know, does that necessarily, could that involve, you know, taking Thor off the table? You know, is, are we going to see a lot of these sort of these main prominent characters being removed, you know, in time for a, a, a Infinity War? Yeah. You know, it's, man, it's you're just like it, titles out like it's nothing, man. I know. I just I just have this kind of mind. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, there's just like you know, there's all the rumors about like they're totally going to kill off Captain America, which I'm kind of really like. I believe in it. Like, I think they actually will. Yeah. I think they're they're very armored with the Ed Brubaker version of the character, and I think that's just kind of something that could come up. Mm -hmm. You know, and they they obviously have had to have these discussions about, you know, okay, when so and so is done making our movies, 
what do we do with the character? Yeah, well, do we yeah, recast? And, and, I don't know. Well, and I, I have a lot of th- it, but. yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that that I want to talk to more when we get down the list a little bit, specifically with specifically with that character. Uh, all right, November third, twenty seventeen. One of the ones people were most excited about is Black Panther. Black Panther. I'm really excited for that one. I, I'll admit, I'm. It's I'm pretty cool. For. I think this sort of cements the fact that Andy Serkis is playing uh, Claw in age of ultron yeah i think so uh yeah this i mean this is this is cool it's i don't actually don't know how to pronounce his name <laughs> takala chad oh t'challa t'challa that was close and wakanda i mean wonka land uh <laughs> wonka land uh yeah so that's gonna be a thing that happens they also released a picture of the suit which i get that uh, um, I don't know. I, I get that the the suit as it is in the comics wouldn't be very visually pleasing. It's not that different. It, it's basically more line work inside the suit instead yeah, of just being solid. I guess I appreciate Panther. that it's not. Uh, I guess okay. I hadn't really seen a really up close picture. I'm looking at it now. It looks a lot better. I appreciate that they haven't like defined his abs in the suit, <laughs> which I hate when superhero suits do that. Yeah, it's like if you're not gonna have the abs, don't tack them on. Yeah, it just looks super ridiculous. Uh. Well, yeah. Why are people so excited about Black Panther? I mean, Uh, devil's advocate here. Like you, you explain as if I'm new to this whole thing. I mean, Black Panther is one of those characters where he, you know, he he certainly got a lot of history behind him. He's very historically significant. He's, you know, he's. uh, I'm probably butchering this. He's not the first black superhero. No, he was. No, I believe the Falcon gets that credit. I think Falcon was the first African American. Okay, so maybe Black Panther was the first black hero, just black in general, okay. um, superhero. You know, he deb- debuted in Fantastic Four during the Stanley Jack Kirby, you know, initial run, and that, you know, that is obviously like a lo- th- those first like 102 or 103 issues, you know, are, are very big deal to the Marvel universe as far as a lot of the concepts they play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this will include the Inhumans when we get to that. Um, you know, there's a lot. Things you know, just bare bones. There's a lot of things I like about the character. You know, you can you can say he's he's sort of the 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 King Batman. You know, if Batman had a nation, then he'd be Black Panther. Yeah, he is. You know? He is. That is probably the closest character. It's hard because when you when I think about Batman in the Marvel universe, I always want to put him on Moon Knight. Which he which Moon Knight gets that a lot. Mm-hmm. They both kind of get a Batman similarity. And the the only real comparisons between Batman and Black Panther, you know, besides having sort of dark. Uh, motifs is you know they're both kind of the, the considered at their uh, maybe depending on your opinion at their worst or at their best they're considered like these su- the super gods like master planners where they've they've thought their their way out of every situation mm-hmm. um and and uh you know but this is something cool he's he's a superhero but he's also you know his his superhero identity is tied into his his status as the ruler of a country like the whoever rules Wakanda is called the Black Panther. Yeah. Like that that's cool. that's basically being called emperor or king. Um but at the same time I can understand why from a primarily American audience that it can be a difficult thing to swallow where it's like it's it's hard you know on one thing people tend to 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 they like the underdog more you know, the, the anti-authoritarian war, which obviously Marvel has popularized. Mm-hmm. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy took place primarily 
all, basically all in space, you know, but there was an underdog quality of the characters that people really gravitate towards. One of the main reasons why the movie was successful. With Black Panther, you have a guy who is part of a, a, a completely fictional civilization in a country that, as far as American viewers are concerned, you know, seems very, very, very far away. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of hurdles that, you know, while there's certainly a percentage of people that, that just totally want to dive headfirst into that world and live in it for as long as they can, you're, you're trying to win over as many people as possible. So I can understand the hurdle with that. Yeah. But it's, it's the, the same things that make him a difficult character to try and appeal to a broad audience are the things that make him really cool. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's a great action hero. He can kick butt. He's got the gadgets. He's got like a really cool mythology and mystical background. He's got the storm girlfriend. He's, he's no longer with storm. I know. I heard, Uh, (laughs) but um, you know, there is a lot of cool stuff about black, black Panther. And what I think, unfortunately in the comic books, which they've been trying to define him and redefine him and make him stick and relevant and popular in the comic books to, to, more or less an unsuccessful degree with the movies they really have a chance to look at them with a completely fresh slate build them from the ground up and mm-hmm. say this is the black panther we want to show to the world and it's something that in the same way that you could if you know you wouldn't necessarily hand like one of the first guardians comic I, I mean i would like to but you hand one of the the initial guardians books to someone maybe before the movie came out and they it might not be as accessible to them yeah. You know, so the movie took a lot of the elements about that initial Guardians run that was great, but managed you to tell it in a way where you only need to exist in this movie world. So I hopefully Black Panther can do the same thing. And then Marvel in turn, which is sort of a bigger thing that I like about like getting a Doctor Strange movie, getting an Inhumans movie, getting a Black Panther movie, is that this ultimately will come back to the comics themselves because Marvel publishing is is compelled to have to, you know, they want to give these characters as big a push as possible. So you're hopefully going to get a, a great creative team on these books that can take the characters into truly defining eras of their publication. And that's another, that's sort of a side thing that really excites me about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's a character that I don't know a lot about, but I mean, like we said, we had, he has historical significance and people, I mean, people really genuinely seem to like him. And are, are totally into him. Like he's, you know, he's survived a very long time, and even though he's never been the headliner of the events, you know, he's still around. He's still kicking around. So it's it is it is really cool, and it's making me wanna wanna dig into some more about him. Uh, following Black Panther on their big old list of movies is uh, coming out July sixth, twenty eighteen. Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel. Dun, dun, dun. This film has been in development almost as long as Guardians of the Galaxy, according to Phage. I really gotta. Phage. I gotta look. I gotta look up an interview with this guy. It's the only way. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Captain Marvel, really cool, really exciting. Uh, people are kind of speculating that she's gonna be tied into. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy a little bit, considering she has the ties to outer space. Yep. I am genuinely hoping. Oh, oh, they uh they casted uh or they have have casted uh Chad Bozeman as Black Panther, which is pretty cool. He's kind of known for the dramas, so that's that'll be interesting. I am genuinely hoping they do not cast Katie Sackoff as Captain Marvel. <laughs> 
I, I like Katie Sackhoff, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. Dude, I, I don't ESG really just made me dislike her severely. Neither here nor there. Uh, no, this, this is a really cool one. This is an exciting one. Uh, it'll be fun to see what they do with it because they have a lot of possibility with mm-hmm. with her. It's really a chance that they they can they can not necessarily move distance themselves from like the origins of the character, which I don't think they are. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna keep they're gonna build up the world of the Kree, mm-hmm. which she's she's tied to, which they did uh, reference. Uh, they that sort of played a role in okay. Ronin was a Cree, but I mean they didn't really go into Cree culture or anything. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a role there, there's a connection there that would be interesting to explore, you know. But it's another thing where they kind of reinvent her human, her Earth side, in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, because it's not necessarily going to be just like the comic books, but it can they just like with Black Panther, it's a clean slate where they can take a character who, for all intents and purposes, is a very cool, compelling character, but sometimes the things that make them interesting are the things that's the hardest to try to appeal to a broad audience. Mm-hmm. So this is, again, this is another thing where I, I'm definitely interested in Captain Marvel. It's like the, I haven't really been reading the series. It, I, I've read a couple issues here or there from the two most recent volumes, and you know, it's not quite my cup of tea, but I know there's a huge, fervent fan base for it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, again, neither here nor there, but it, it's going to be really cool to see what they do. Yeah, and I think I texted you the other day, and I was like, I really hope they don't push a Black Widow film. Like there's so many other cool female characters that have, that have the I don't know because they they I don't people love Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, she's fine, I think she's a little melodramatic, uh, and doesn't have a ton of personality. Even even in Captain America: Winter Soldier, I don't think she has a ton of personality. Uh, but I think what I think I mentioned like She Hulk or or Captain Marvel. And so I'm really excited that we're getting uh, that this is who they're going with. Yeah, it'll be it'll be really cool. Uh, yeah, you're you're right. I I wouldn't I would have still been okay with the Black Widow film. It would have just been like she's, oh, a, she's a character okay. kind of like Captain America. Which the only reason I think this is like with Captain America three, like they're pulling the Civil War storyline and they're they're bringing Tony, you know, they're bringing Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark into as a prominent role, and apparently Black Panther is going to play a prominent role in that first. For going into his own film, so it's one of those things where, it to a lesser extent, with like Winter Soldier, it felt feels like, like Steve Rogers as you know Captain America as a character isn't compelling enough that he needs like these other characters to kind of come in and spruce up his own his own his story because mm-hmm. you're going to be watching Civil War and I mean look if you look at the the text that they put out for it, the logo and all that I mean Not it's like there Civil yet, man. War. Oh, Captain well, we totally America. should have talked about it earlier. Yeah. This page does not have it in order. Uh, okay. So, no, let's let's transition into that here. So, May 6, 2016, Captain oh, wait, America. First, Civil first. War. Okay. Captain Marvel. Captain uh, Marvel. I think it was Newsarama. They they were like, we're calling it now. They think Emily Blunt will be Captain Marvel, and I'm cool with that. Emily? I like, I like Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt is Captain Marvel. I don't... Uh, uh, I, don't I don't know if I can necessarily see that, but, I mean, then again... Based solely on Edge of Tomorrow, yeah, where she was Tomorrow definitely a shine spotted, you know, um, you know, I think she and she was originally up for the role of Black Widow. I don't know. If oh you knew yeah, that. I do know that. And then apparently she was going to come around for another role, and I don't remember which movie, but she turned it down because it wasn't quite what she wanted. But this is like totally the movie where I'd be like Emily Blunt. You know, I I think really she could, and she does. She doesn't have star power, I think, to 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 carry it. Yeah. Anyway, no, that's a good call. So. 
let's let's transition backwards. I apologize that we're doing this out of order because I would have loved to have laid into this one a bit. Um, Captain America: Civil War, or if you look at the uh, picture they released for it, it's Civil War: Captain America. So it's, it's really Civil War: Captain America. Oh, it absolutely is because we we already knew that that Tony Stark is going to be in it and play a prominent role. Then with this announcement of uh, of Black Panther, I almost said Black Widow because since we were just talking about her, but with the announcement of Black Panther, they said, oh yeah, he's also going to play a fairly significant role in this movie. And just to kind of echo what you had said, like that's there's so much now suddenly going on in this movie where he's supposed to be looking for Bucky at the same time he's going to have this conflict with... Uh, with with Tony Stark and you know whatever role Black Panther has which could be like the Spider-Man role people were saying I don't think they're going to do the the superhero registration act storyline yeah, I think they're basically saying they're basically saying it's more of government oversight and should someone be uh should should someone be overseeing all these these guys popping up which is a little ironic just be, I, I don't know if ironic is the right word but I mean the, these characters basically came out of a government program you know mm-hmm. the avengers were for all intents and purposes a government program in the movies you know that the government itself said we're not going to do this and then it kind of happened anyway yeah do you kind of get the feeling that they had a whole different idea for what they were going to do with that and then like do you get what i'm saying i know that was a really terrible way of saying it um they had a whole different idea of how they were going to do the event the avengers and build it up and then that didn't really work out, so they kind of had to cobble something together for Avengers. Oh, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 something where you know Nick Fury shows up in two thousand eight and says, "I want to tell you about the Avengers Initiative." And then we never hear about it again until suddenly it's like, "Oh yeah, we have to put the Avengers together." Well, he mentions it. It's mentioned again in Iron Man two, and that Tony Stark is briefly. Like, ah, it's yeah, like, we want you it, to be. We want you to be a consultant on it. Yeah, but. Just you admit, know, just admit it's something, right. I mean, it's something that they were, they were building to, and obviously it wasn't going to come up in Captain America, one first Avenger because it was completely removed of the timeline, mm-hmm. and then with Thor, you know, it took place entirely on Asgard, basically. Well, it took place on Earth, but it, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a necessary component of the conversation. But even in Iron Man two, there was no like build up for it. The, well, a lot of things that I think derailed Iron Man two was the fact that it was trying to juggle being an Iron Man story and trying to be a greater Marvel Cinematic Universe story, specifically mm-hmm. in the part where they were following up on um, Nick Fury saying Avengers Initiative, you know. Right. Most most of the scenes where, where Nick Fury pops up in is sort of a, hey, you remember this thing I sort of told you? Like, yeah, like, let's follow up on that. And obviously, like, the needs of the plot then moved away from it because that wasn't the big driving conflict of the story. Yeah. You know, but I mean, when it came to Avengers, it's sort of like I, I don't think they necessarily cobbled it together. I think it's you know they they can set it up as well. Nick Fury had this idea, but you know the whole point of the film was that like these characters were they weren't a team; they were a time bomb, as the Hulk eloquently put. Oh yeah. You know, so kind of the the idea that the Avengers Initiative wasn't supposed to work, that it, it didn't work out, you know, and mm-hmm. then in a sense working out was kind of the idea that the whole point of the movie was that these characters that weren't supposed to be able to do this thing were able to do this thing, you know, yeah. and you, that, that, you follow that through with Iron Man who everyone kind of looks at as just being kind of selfish and kind of a prick kind of in the end, making that big sacrifice, you know, which yeah. no one expected him to make. So, 
I think it's all there in the story. If, you know, maybe it was a late late night decision where they they're like, oh, let's let's do it as like the Avengers program never worked out, but it it you know it's out there now. That's that's kind of how they want it. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, give, give, lay some thoughts on me. Civil War. Um, I think I'm a little bit more okay with it than you are. I could well, think of well, but hold on. If you will recall, when we when people were originally talking about Civil War being a thing, I said, "Go ahead, make Captain America three Civil War. That works." Did you? I did. I, I said it on this show. That. I don't remember that. But that's not, that doesn't mean that it's not true, even if I do think you're lying. But Shut up. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't feel like I was against it from the beginning. It's, it, like I said, it, because it's, people, it's one of those things, again, where people are trying to take what they know about a particular concept and mm-hmm. trying to force it into this, which they're just completely two different things. One just happens to be inspired by or borrowing a sort of likeness, you know? Yeah. So... It's you can't go into it thinking, well, this is not the Mark Miller, Steve McNeven Civil War. It's like, no, it's not. But it can be its own thing. It can still be called Civil War for its purposes. Mm-hmm. So there's something so antiquated about the Civil War name, just you know, because of when this, like the American Civil War happened and all that. Because the that, Civil War still happened today. You know, there's yeah, they do. But there's just something about it. Yeah, from at least an American point of view, which obviously you're American too, but. Um, I don't know. Am it's just I? kind of a funny thing, like Captain America: Civil War, and I'm thinking, where is Abe Lincoln? Where is he? Where is he going to show up? It's also funny because Civil War is an oxymoron. Anyway, continue. anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> it, it really, you know, I, I think you're right. I, I think we're both right that it's going to be sort of like the the falling out, like the complete dissolution of the the team. Uh, you know, which then I think by that point, I think Thor comes afterwards, but then we won't really see all the characters together again until Infinity War. Yeah. So I think it's sort of that. It's that. Actually, Thor's a Thor's a year later. Yeah, but if Thor, I, I'm getting the vibe that Thor, like all the movies, are going to primarily deal with the Thor stuff. Yeah. You know that they're not. You know, Thor is might, maybe he leaves after Avengers one, or Avengers two. Sorry. You know, so he's he's missing for all of the Civil War debacle. And, you know, he comes. Maybe I think he, he comes will back. Be, yeah. He comes back for Infinity War and is like, uh, "WTF, guys? What's going on?" Yeah. Well, I think they're going to be dealing a lot more with the outer space stuff in, in Phase Three since they're building up to Thanos. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be a much bigger element. I, I definitely could see the Thor Three uh, Ragnarok tying into the greater goings on of the the, like, the space side with guardians of the galaxy and all that. Yeah. You know, not necessarily overt crossovers, but sort of expanding on what's exactly going out there in the great big beyond. Yeah. But absolutely. Um, so yeah, Captain America civil war is happening. So is in humans. Yeah. Which we, so... we've known about is coming. So, yeah, I mean, there, I feel like talking about inhumans, it's one of those things where it's hard to talk about without kind of just feeling the speculation in the rumor mill. Like, is Marvel really doing it as sort of like a stand-in for not being able to use the mutants? Are Quicksilver yeah. are which going to be inhuman? And they're never going to. Like they're that. never going to admit outright that's what they're doing. Yeah, and they're never necessarily going to live it down either. That no. that that kind of like even it, if they, even if they say that's no, that's not what we're doing. People are going to be like, yeah, it is. You know, like 
like I've been reading things that are saying that Agents of Shields could be leading up to a Terrigan bomb, which you know would basically just release a bunch of you know mutants. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I apologize. Inhumans <gasps> into the world, um, but you know, I don't know. It, the Inhumans are a cool concept, and again, what was. It's one of those things where, okay, no one initially thought Guardians of the Galaxy was going to be successful, but there was something eh, about it that clearly was. It was I, one of those things where, I, people, I, I, knew, I, I could totally see it being successful, but there were still the naysayers that said it wasn't going to be. Yeah. You know, that, and it wasn't through no fault of the concept itself. They just said, who, you know, like, they were just worried, like, who's going to watch that? Now, obviously, a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. But whereas Guardians of the Galaxy is an obscure, you know, kind of third tier you know crop of characters you know um i would actually argue against that because honestly uh i knew more about the guardians of the galaxy than i've ever known about in humans yes fair enough but that's probably that's probably true in a lot of ways right now and it's partially on me too but i mean i'm saying Um, even before the movie stuff happened um but but with but there's you know clear you're not going to get the same experience watching Inhumans. Inhumans are very royal. They're very dramatic. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much it's much more Shakespeare, you know. It's 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 going to be as hard a thing to pull off as Thor, Absolutely. which I don't think has been as successful. Has been successful, but not as successful as the other movies. And that it's just you're 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 accepting space magic and and magic science and and all this stuff and. It's it's just it's a harder pill to swallow, like Thor. So with Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, you know it had a talking raccoon and a tree that only said three words, and you know, but it it was a fun action romp, not unlike something like Star Wars. That it was just it it was it was poppy enough that people like were just enjoying the ride. And humans, I don't think can be a movie that. It's gonna be something closer to like Avengers two, maybe where yes, there's there's totally gonna to be humorous moments, but I, it kind of by nature has to be a darker film, and I think that's something that could potentially lose people, because it's such a heady concept to wrap around. It's not as simple as just like all right, the next evolution of humanity is the mutants, and then here's a sort of Malcolm X slash Martin Luther King Jr. s debate between a bald guy and a guy with a funny helmet. You know, yeah. it's like here's a royal family. This guy can't talk. There's this dog that could be an inhuman or could not or might not be an inhuman, but he teleports. And then there's a woman named Medusa, but she's not the Greek Medusa, but she can control her hair and she wears a purple suit. And like it's something where they, they're they're angling for the Terrigan bomb, which like what they're doing in the comics, so that there's all these sort of common people now as inhumans that can kind of enter this world. Mm-hmm. But if they're still going with the royal family aspect of it somewhere in the film. It's 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 not as easily digestible a concept it's still a great concept yeah but it's that's one of the movies where i'm gonna be where i'm really hopeful for it i'd love to be optimistic for it and i think that if it fails it won't necessarily be because of the execution so Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna be really curious how the world responds to it as it gears up and you know the marketing machine gets going and all that yeah yeah that it's i mean there's a lot of stuff in this phase three that's like man what are they gonna do like you know they've really kind of piqued the curiosity and the interest and uh for the sake of time kind of kind of barrel forward into the last big one all this was phase three all of this is leading to avengers infinity war part part one coming out may 2018 part two coming out may 2019 i think it's a little interesting they've already announced two parts 
considering this movie is definitely not yet written. It's probably conceptualized on a base level, but I mean, I guess they decide they're going to stuff in enough here. Uh, it's kind of like, it, I guess it's kind of like the Justice League thing, but I think Justice League is pretty much finished being written. That they were kind of like, oh man, with everything we want to do, it might be better to just go ahead and split them up into two different parts. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it is one of those things where they, they can announce it as being two films without having it written because it's one of those things where any of these movies have could potentially have enough story that you could mm -hmm. split it up into two things. Yeah, so this is totally Infinity War in name only. Yeah, it's much more likely going to follow vaguely the events of Infinity Gauntlet. Mm -hmm. uh, just like Joss Whedon said a long time ago and like I have been repeating ad nauseum uh, while people were crying civil war anyway civil war civil war so here's obviously so much speculation Thanos comes to earth tries to lay the smack down uh, we get a break in between the two and where you have Captain Marvel doing her thing and humans doing their thing my only prediction really with this is that part one is going to end or some part near the end uh is when we're going to see steve rogers bite the bullet yeah Th that's going to be the big dramatic cliffhanger is that he's going to die and because we've known that uh chris evans is done with the role and pretty much After he's avengers 3 yeah, yeah. which like, i think which i think making, it's part i one. think making part one and well i think this they in contractually they could make it I mean, I, I, for all intents and purposes, I think they're going to be essentially filming parts one and two back to back. Mm -hmm. So I think by calling it parts one and two, it effectively makes it one movie yeah. split into two parts instead of being Avengers 2 and Avengers 3 and Avengers 4. Yeah. So I think that they could get away with have you know, whether he dies in part one or dies in part two, you know. I think it's going to be the cliffhanger, though. It totally could. But I mean, like, I'm just saying that on a contractual level, I think they could get away with that. He could still appear throughout part two as part of the original deal. Yeah. You know, even if they do kill him as a, a kind of a, a, a Dobby-esque cliffhanger. I mean, his body will, his body will still be in part two. Yes. Chris, yeah. Chris Evans will play a corpse in the sequel. Chris Evans as corpse. <laughs> Inspiring, corpse. says Entertainment corpse, Weekly. Corpse America, Captain Corpse. Yeah, whether or not we see Sebastian Stan or uh, Bucky coming in and taking over for Cap immediately, I don't know. But that's definitely the future. I could see them doing a Winter Soldier movie. <laughs> the Winter Soldier, Captain America. Well, it's, I mean, it's going to be, if you know, if they do it in part two or if they're going to do it in its own movie, like that's just the natural progression of that storyline. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there is a lot, a lot coming out. Let's. I'm going to check real quick the results that on comic book resources what people are currently saying is their most anticipated film did you pick one uh, i haven't picked one yet because i'm not sure i'm not sure which I, is my most i i kind of got punched uh i picked black panther okay but, um well, civil war is currently with over two thousand votes uh behind that is captain marvel and you've got Black Panther and Infinity War Part 1 kind of at the same. The one people are least excited for, which makes me sad, is Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> oh, uh, <sighs> Anyway, let's do our recommendations and let's get out of here. Obviously, we're going to be talking about these movies. Because I don't, I don't think you and I have a, have a planned end date for this show. So as long as we're going on and there's news coming out, 
We'll be talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll be here, folks. Yep. At least as far as Avengers: Infinity War Part One and Two. Yep, that's that's uh, that's our tentative end date. You, you have us until twenty nineteen. Yeah. After that, uh, we'll find younger, sexier people to replace us. <laughs> yes. Anyway, recommendations because we're getting ready to push the two hour mark here. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, but hey, you know it's it's that's been a good what time. You do when you're having fun, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and, and start off for the Halloween season. Uh, be safe out there, people. I have decided to recommend Batman The Long Halloween, written by Jeff Loeb, illustrated by Tim Sale. This Actually, thinking about this recommendation for this week is what inspired me for my recommendation last week. Uh, anyway, it is a Batman story in which they are trying to but by they, I mean Batman, Jim Gordon, and uh, Harvey Dent are trying to find this killer who is striking on holidays. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really, really great Batman story. Uh, I would say one of the one of the quintessential Batman stories that uh, is out there. And if you're you know, if you're into superhero comics at all, it's definitely worth checking out. Even if you don't, even if you're not the biggest, world's biggest Batman fan, I think this is a story that kind of stands on its own. Like if Bat, this is this is kind of a story you could read where Batman is a character off an image, not necessarily in DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's definitely it's entirely Batman centric, not really tied to the the. Uh, DC Universe at large, but it is a a great story. It's you know visually, it's very striking. Um, it's hard hitting. It'll it's got emotional moments. It's you know really really great story all around, and it's got a great mystery in it as well that has a really big twist right at the end. Uh, so check it out, Halloween awesome. long Halloween. I've I've owned it for a long time. It was given to me as a gift one time, and I just I have like I've read maybe the first part. Really, I've read it like three times. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like I know I need to read it, and I should read it, and I enjoyed what I did read, but like I've just never completed it. There's just so much of like the Batman mythos in here, and they approach it from a way that is really accessible, which is really nice. Even in even if you're not you know super familiar with Batman. Like you're gonna, you're gonna get it. You're gonna be part of it. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's something that's distilled down to its essence. Mm-hmm. Um, what, oh, do cool. oh, what do you get? Definitely, definitely uh, something that you know. When I unpack my probably completely destroyed comics, I will try and read it again if I can, if it's legible. Um, I've got the uh, Rick Remender Punisher run, which just kind of came to me, uh, the idea to recommend it. Um, especially the first five issues, the whole run of itself is something where, I mean, Rick Remender is just an idea, idea, a guy, sorry. <laughs> he is an idea. He's more than just a man. Um, but he, um, <laughs> he's totally an idea guy. Um, you know, and he throws a lot of stuff against the wall and he finds really crazy ways. You know, he, 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 he doesn't, he doesn't give his characters any favors. Uh, I'll put it that way. Um, you, a lot of times you think of Punisher, and you just think of a guy that runs around and shoots hoodlums, and you know, very grounded, very street. 
and that's a great way to be the punisher he worked he excels in that environment mm-hmm. you know but when I, it seems like he when he was given the task of all right you're writing the punisher but he's in the marvel universe like this is him this is the punisher operating in the marvel universe where there are gods and Right. whatever mutants and, and his, all his that. actions of randomly murdering are going to have consequences exactly and i feel like it's been long enough that i can sort of mention a couple big points that happened in the course of remender's run mm-hmm. without necessarily negating the whole story go for it um but a, a lot of it was him sort of taking that and being like okay so how what, what would the punisher do and then also sort of accepting that a guy like the punisher for everything he's worth would ultimately fail with the kind of hmm. threats he's up against. So, like, in the first issue, and the first five issues are beautifully drawn by Jerome Pena, a frequent collaborator of Rick Remender, uh, and certainly one of my favorite artists uh, of the last several years. Um, but it opens with the Punisher trying to snipe Norman Osborn just as he's taken over uh, as the director of Hammer. This is, like, just after Secret Invasion. Uh, and then he's stopped by the Sentry, who's, like, Marvel's Superman times a billion, um, so, the, so watching this really intense chase where the Punisher is trying to escape from the Sentry, uh, like that, that immediately was like, like that's basically the first issue, and like the Punisher is getting like the shit. It's not as it kicked out of him, but like just his his means of escape are like completely battering the guy to pieces, mm-hmm. you know. And he does manage to escape, but it's just like, like holy crap, like, how, you know, how can he recover from that? Which in a sense he does. And then the rest, uh, that that initial story keeps trying to put like all right this is the punisher operating in the marvel universe you know he's not just going to use regular old rifles he's going to steal like the, the sniper rifle he was using was a scroll sniper rifle and he was shooting from across the river right. you know like like in new jersey um you know he puts on the ant-man helmet he finds a captain america shield he he shrinks down to a small size like he does a lot of very marvel universe things that you wouldn't expect of the punisher mm-hmm. but what, what sort of that that, that kind of that, that that first real tipping point is when Rick Mender actually murders the Punisher, hmm. um, which obviously isn't the end of the story, because it, it really comes at this point where the Punisher has tried and tried and tried, but he's up against forces that are just completely out of his control to try and squash, uh-huh. and he ends up getting chopped to bits by Dokken, Wolverine's son, um, and then of course from there is sort of where the book hits its stride, and he becomes a Frankensteinian type. Oh yeah, Frankencastle. Frankencastle. And then it just gets more ridiculous from there. And it does, you know, I don't necessarily want to ruin the ending, but anyone that you know, knows the Punisher's current whereabouts now knows that he's not quite Frankensteinian anymore. Um, but it it's just one of those things where at least that initial buildup to like the Franken the Frankencastle moments, mm-hmm. it's just it's just it's one of those things where like you're you're given something, and you're said, all right, this is something that doesn't necessarily work in. You know, the the thing A doesn't necessarily work in environment B, but I want to see what you try to do by putting him in that environment. Yeah. And it wasn't just sort of like he that he just left it at well, Punisher's going to use like alien weapons and stuff to get around, and even the playing fields can be no. If we're trying to look at a ridiculous environment realistically, thing A cannot survive in that long term, mm-hmm. and and that's just kind of where like he really hits it home. He really had a story to tell, and I just totally think that people should check it out. That's great. Yeah, I read. I think I read the first issue of Frankencastle, but I think I read it during a twenty-four hour comic day at around four in the morning, so my memory's a little fuzzy. But it was. I I do remember someone explaining it to me and thinking like that concept is ridiculous and I love it. So I I have not read a lot of Punisher, but that seems like it would be worth checking out. Absolutely. All right. Well, 
we have gone long with this episode, but you know, we had a lot of good stuff to say, and I, I don't feel bad about it at all. So, uh, real quick, you can find out more about us at heckyeahcomics.com. You can follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. You can email the show with pretty much anything you want to email us about at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at davluz, and you can find uh, Nick... Nick being turned into a Frankensteinian monster and wandering a lonely island full of other monsters. There you go. Uh, as usual, if you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Worst episode ever.